Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If they discover we're leaving, they'll go all out to destroy us. So we must take every precaution. Now, I've designed this like a collapsing bag. McDonald here has agreed to man the wireless in order to give the Germans something to listen to. And all the padres and the medical staff are volunteered to stay behind as well. Now, the wounded, who are too bad to move, will replace the men firing. So our defense will seem as before. By the time the Germans find out what's happening, we should all be safely across the river. Pleasant journey. Thank you, sir. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, November 2nd. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, as always, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the uh, bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey! The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends! Mm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello! There he is, and here we are. First things first, Lee, how did the vegetable medley go over on (laughs) Halloween? (laughs) Very successful. Very Mm. successful. Yeah, the kids were knocking around out there, lining up. They were 25 deep. Give me some of that carrot and hummus that was screaming. <laughs> it was a, a overwhelming success. I'm very, very happy. No one egged the house. Instead, everyone's like, gee, the Ellis's are really the coolest house in the neighborhood, aren't Excellent. they? Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> uh, yes, obviously talking about our squad Halloween episode. We had a lot of fun recording that on Friday. If you haven't listened to that one, go back. And give it a listen as we drafted our Halloween candies and songs and movies. And yes, spoiler, Lee took the vegetable (laughs) melody slash medley. Um, Incredible, incredible stuff. All right, quick shout out to the stream team. Thanks for joining us here live on YouTube on a Monday. Our no dunk schedule starting to take shape here. We're planning on hitting the beach to answer your questions tomorrow. Yes, Tuesday, election day. We figured, hey... Perfect time to give you, what, 90 minutes those usually run while you're waiting in line to vote. Some of you, if you haven't already voted. So we'll hit you with the Beach Steppin' Podcast tomorrow on Tuesday. Get your questions in nodunksattheathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc. Also, uh, got a couple guests still in the works that we're trying to lock down. So hopefully they drop a little bit later in the week. But today's show, guys... It's not an up-down report. It's not an is-this-news. This is just a straight classic. It's just a news dump. We're taking a big old dump after all that hummus we ate. So we've got, I don't know, 10,000 leaked jerseys to critique a little bit later. And uh, negotiations are still in swing here, full swing, to trying to figure out when next season starts. We'll get into that. But let's start with some juicy front office news we haven't yet addressed here on the show. And that is this news breaking last week that Daryl Morey is taking over the Sixers basketball operations not long after resigning from a similar role with the Rockets. So everyone wants to know, what does this mean? Morey coming in here, what does it mean for Philly stars Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, as well as the supporting pieces around him? You know, will Morey be making big moves in Philly? And I will add to this, Lee, we now know Elton Brand 
he ain't going anywhere. He just signed a massive extension, so he's going to be the GM still. So you've got Maury, you got Brand, you got new coach Doc Rivers. But what do you think this means, Maury specifically being in charge for the big guns there in Philly? Will will something happen because Maury likes to make his trades? Oh, he's a big game hunter, Daryl Maury. He's not going there just to sit around and let this thing play out for a season or two. I think he wants to make a splash from the start. Now, I don't think he's going to trade Embiid or Simmons this season. I don't think he would go in there and just say, right, I'm just going to blow up, break up these two. But I do think, obviously, the biggest uh, move he wants to make is to find a taker for that Al Horford contract. I think that's the biggest one the Sixers want to try to get out from underneath because Horford simply just did not fit with that team this season. And he's still a good player. He's still a very valuable player and can be a contributor, but he's got a lot of money tied up and that's going to be a little bit difficult. The other big contract that's not Embiid or Simmons, of course, is Tobias Harris. I think Maury would like to find a way to maybe get out of that one a little bit soon. Now, the Sixers, another thing Maury likes to use is is draft picks going forward. So, Mm -hmm. you know, try to sweeten the pot. Now, the Sixers don't really have a lot of uh, enticing assets there. They've got one pick coming in, but another one, a first rounder going out this season. And then there's a few second rounders there. But of course, those ones don't usually get the big deals done. So I absolutely think uh, Maury is going to go there and try to make a trade and try to put his name on that team as soon as he can because that's what he does. He's not the sort of guy who sits around and waits for things to happen. We've seen him in the past. He traded to get James Harden. He signed uh, Dwight Howard when he was a free agent. He basically signed Chris Bosh away from Miami Heat and then the Heat matched that deal. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's taken in Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook in the last few years. Now, not all of these moves have worked out, but that's the sort of thing that Daryl Morey goes for. He wants those guys who are ready to win, potentially in championship mode as soon as they get there. And I think he looks at that Sixers roster and he thinks they're not too far away. You know, everyone thinks they're not too far away, but this Sixers team, you know, with Embiid and Simmons, they're going to stick with that for now, in my belief. But around the fringes, he's going to try to bring in another big name. And if someone can take one of those big contracts, then he will. Now, if things don't work out again for the Sixers this season... I absolutely believe he's going to move on from one of Simmons or Embiid at the end of this season. That's right. my belief. Okay. Uh, but, he, but he won't do that straight away. So, yeah, this is uh, an interesting move there in Philadelphia because there's been so much upheaval in their front office as well in recent years. You go back to the Sam Hinky era, Jerry Colangelo came in, Brian Colangelo came in, he left right. in disaster, Brett Brown kind of took over, Elton Brand then kind of took over, and now Elton Brand, you mentioned, he signed an extension, but it's a little unclear exactly sort of what power he has. He's the general manager... But if, if, if I, looking at what I see from the Sixers, Daryl Moore is the one who's going to make those big decisions, in my belief. So, uh, in yeah, theory, yeah. they'll work hand in hand, I guess, but Moore would have the ultimate say, yeah. I believe that, yeah. yes. So, uh, I think Elton Brown has done a, a, you know, he's done an okay job there, but it sort of feels like he lost some of his power, but the Sixers also didn't want to throw him, you know, fire him. So, uh, exciting chaotic crazy times there in philadelphia i think uh, i think though if you're a Sixers fan you like having daryl morey on board tass what do you think man is morey gonna do something big here we saw what he did when he first came to houston right he kept mcgrady he kept yao and they tried to change the pieces around him and kevin pelton reminded me most notably i guess he traded the number eight pick right of the 2006 draft which ended up being rudy gay for shane battier uh, and there are rumors that he might come and join them in the front office if they can pry him away from oh, the heat. I thought you were going to say Shane Battier is coming out of retirement, no, no, joining no, no. the boys on the floor. Need a little oh, that, shooting. That <laughs> analytics man, Shane Battier, they're trying, maybe trying to get him from the heat. But yeah, what do you think? Like, will he do something similar like Lee is saying that he did when he first got in Houston? Said, okay, well, these are our guys. Let's see what we can do around them. And like Lee's saying, a lot easier said than done, I think, moving Tobias Harris and Al Horford. That makes sense. But Ken Morey, is he, is he that crafty task? What do you think? 
He's a crafty man. He's a crafty man. I think uh, he's going to have to attach an asset to somebody like Al yeah. Horford. And Josh Richardson could be the guy who goes. Uh, Josh Richardson uh, isn't a Daryl Morey type guy uh, to surround Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid with. He's not a great three-point shooter, although he's a really good defender. But he's on a very good contract. So I could see uh, Morey attaching him to an Al Horford to get him out of there. I, I think Al Horford would be the guy to look at that, that they're going to get out of there. Because Tobias Harris... Could be a three-point shooter. He likes to get them up. He, You see double-digit three-point shots from him from time to time. They just don't go in. Uh, so I, I think they hope that uh, Doc Rivers, who coached him in Los Angeles, yep. uh, can get to him and, and can help him uh, you know, reach that borderline all-star level again around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, who are going to be on the roster. Uh, because Daryl Morey likes trading for superstars. That's, that's his goal. He even tried to get Jimmy Butler last season when Philadelphia got rid of him. He's not a three-point shooter. So to think, oh, Daryl Morey's coming in. Uh, he's just going to get three-point shooters. No way. But when you look at Simmons and Embiid, if you're going to keep those guys on the same team and try and get Doc to get the most out of Joel Embiid, uh, you definitely have to surround them with shooters. Right. Uh, so I think that's going to be Morey's number one job. And Morey is definitely going to be the decision maker. They didn't bring him in to work side-by-side side with Elton Brand. Elton Brand... Hasn't made the best of moves. Uh, he is going to be the communicator, I sure, I, I'm sure, with a lot of agents and players. You have now that player side with, with Elton Brand, but uh, Daryl Morey is going to be the executive that uh, Elton Brand reports to. And, and hopefully for the Sixers, it's going to be a lot clearer. Uh, the, the, the thing, when you call another team, you want to know who you're talking to. And uh, you want to know who the decision maker is. And apparently Elton Brand... Uh, was getting a lot of help uh, from Alex Rucker and other guys, uh, according to uh, Derek Bonner of The Athletic. There's just way too many voices in there. And so Maury should be the guy uh, who tries to acquire stars. And uh, that's that's the main goal. Get some stars in there. The more stars, the better. <laughs> I think that's what, what Daryl Maury's uh, looking for. And you've got two, and you've got Doc Rivers. And I think people people think, uh, why, why would they get a coach before... Uh, their front office decision maker. Well, I think him and Doc should work well together. They do have a history in the past. They were in Boston's uh, uh, organization once upon a time at the same time. They like each other. I don't think they would have brought in uh, Daryl Morey if they didn't think he could work with with Doc. And here we go. I, I think I think it's, it's Horford. And, and if I'm another roster and I'm thinking, oh, Al Horford would be nice on this team, I'm going to need something else. And I think Josh Richardson might be the guy to make that happen. Trey, what do you think? I mean, Tass is right. He, We've seen Maury want to get stars. The problem is he usually gets to two, and he can't find the third one. Well, he's got two. Simmons in a beat. Is there a move here that you could see to try and grab a third one? Or does he care about three-pointers more and moves one of those guys? <laughs> well, we just saw a team win the NBA championship with only two stars. In today's league, maybe that's all you need. You don't got to go star hunting when you've got two all-stars on your team. So, yeah, they're going to tinker around the edges with Embiid and Simmons staying there. I think it's kind of lost on a lot of people with the analytics movement that the number one best shot in analytics is a dunk. You got two guys who can score inside quite a bit. That's a good place to start with Simmons and Embiid. Now you just got to figure out the pieces, and that's a place where Daryl Morey has sort of thrived a little bit, finding guys that have been cast off, but that was also bringing him into a Mike D'Antoni system where he just says, hey, man, I don't care what you do. If you're open, shoot a three. If you're not open, still shoot a three. There are ways to get uh, those sort of performances out of lesser known players, but you have to have a coach who's willing to to live with the mistakes. Is Doc Rivers going to be as willing to live with the mistakes as Mike D'Antoni? 
I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I think we're going to see a pretty similar Sixers team coming back. I'm sure they would like to trade uh, Horford and Harris, but there's a reason they're tough to trade. They got humongous deals and they're underperforming them. I think a key would be telling Tobias Harris, just shoot threes. None of this pump fake and take an 18-footer. A third of the Sixers shots came from the mid-range, and that's just not going to be the case when uh, they're playing underneath a Daryl Morey system. The threes are going to be more important, and maybe it just comes from telling the players there, you're wasting your time taking long twos. Shoot the three. It's a tough learning process. We saw it with Melo, right, where he would catch the ball, he would pump fake, and he would end up taking a two and would be a huge laugh on Center because <laughs> the Rockets actually let somebody take a two. That's going to change. There are ways to change this, and Daryl Morey has always said if you've got a 5% chance, you need to go all in for it. You've got two stars in their prime right now, and Embiid and Simmons, you need to figure out innovative ways to build around them because they're both sort of unusual players. Embiid yeah. is a throwback to the 90s. Simmons is a guy that we haven't really seen before who doesn't want to take threes, can get to the rim, but does generate threes for other people. There is a lot of talent in Philadelphia. It's just odd fits, but I would rather see Simmons and and Embiid both stick around. That's a great nucleus. Just figure out a way to fit people around it. It looked okay when Jimmy Butler was there. It looked, uh, you know, they were a shot away from advancing to a conference finals, and we're talking about this team totally different. I think you can continue to build around these guys and have success. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought up, like, that 5% chance to win a title. Like, in the East, it's wide open still. I mean, yeah, the Heat are great. Who knows who they have coming back. Obviously, the Raptors, you know, in theory, should be a good team still. The Bucks. Um, you know, the Sixers in the mix, the Celtics, but like it is open. I mean, there's, there is an open path. I mean, if everything clicks for you to at least go to the finals and maybe win the thing. I saw Bobby Marks. He broke down the books, though. Simmons rookie max extension is about to kick in here. So they're going in to this offseason with a payroll of $151 million. <laughs> and $122 million of that are going to four guys. Simmons and Embiid, and then Harrison Horford. Wow. That's already way over the luxury tax threshold, meaning a massive penalty, and that's before free agency begins. So maybe the Sixers' ownership is also just leaning all into this. They see Maury. They lock up Brand for the extension. They see Doc. They go get him, and they say, hey, let's just throw a ton of money at this and see what we can do. And I'll say, you said the picks there, Lee. Yeah, not the sexiest-looking picks they have this year. For the November 18th draft, they got number 21, and then they have 34, 36, 49, and 58. But Maury has uncovered some gems before in the draft pretty late. Chandler Parsons was deep in the second round way back in 2011. Clint Capello was number 25 in 14. Montrez Harrell even, uh, a second-round pick, an early-ish second-round pick in 2015. So maybe they find something, maybe find one of the gems. Or like you said, maybe they trade all of those. Who knows? Because Maury likes to make some moves. I think he averaged oh, yeah. six trades per season uh, on average when he was with Houston for 13 years. That's a lot of trades. He's just a fantasy basketball player who's got he, a really, really good job. You know, he just, yeah. One of those guys who's always looking to just keep something moving. You know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it must be so annoying for the other oh, GMs yeah. because yeah. those people in your fantasy basketball league, and I was one of them, were the most annoying people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, Brody. Yeah. Hey, Brody, you want to trade me Loy Vaught? You want to trade me Loy Vaught, Brody? No, no interest? Okay. Yeah, just leave me alone. To the point you just keep bothering them, and then they eventually just trade ah, them the exactly. guy so you'll shut the hell up. Yeah. All right, anything to add to this? I mean, it sounds like we're all pretty excited. I don't know why you wouldn't be. Yeah, you got a big name in Maury with a big team in Philadelphia that's a weird team as it is, and can they figure it out? It's exciting, I think, for the league in general. And, uh, you know, Maury had a quick break with his family. 
after he got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to take some time off, spend it with the family. Well, a couple weeks was good enough, and now he's back at it. Um, but anything else to add, guys, before we move this on? This man is going to be busy. Uh, like you're saying, people are excited about a coach and a GM. Uh, that's really not an exciting thing. You know, you got to have a little bit of faith if you're a Sixers fan that your super team that happens to be in the front office is what going to be what pays off. But you got to do so many moves. Because like you're saying, Skeets, having so much tied up in Harris and in Horford means that if you trade one of them, you're obviously getting money back because that's how Mm -hmm. trades work. But number two, if you only trade one of them, you're still going to be over the cap. And you just traded a good player. Like Harris and Horford are still decent players. You're likely trading them for worse players who maybe fit your team a little bit better, but you're going to take a little bit of a hit from uh, from a talent standpoint. While still being over the cap, it's a tough, tough spot for Daryl Morey to be in. He kind of worked him wh- his way to having zero flexibility by the time mm. he left Houston. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to a place where, in Philadelphia where he still has zero flexibility, and we're not sure if the pieces fit exactly right. But it feels like the end of the era in Phil- uh, in Houston continues an era in Philadelphia, right. which is right. the exciting thing. Uh, they had a little bit of a wayward uh, dalliance with Colangelo and Elton Brand there, and Lee said Elton Brand has done a good job. I 100% disagree. I think he completely <laughs> botched the process. So good thing they got somebody in there who can make a good decision. I will say, though, I think when he got Al Horford, and I'll, I'll say it, I thought it was a good move. I thought it was the right move. It didn't work out, but I thought he got a good piece in there to space the floor, spread the floor, an experienced guy. Now we look at it in 2020 hindsight and say it didn't work, but I think at the time, about you know 18 months ago, whenever it was signed, I thought that was the right move. And Elton Brown was largely uh, made that move. And they brought it, you know, I I mean, again, they obviously lost Jimmy Butler, but Josh Richardson's another good piece on theory, on paper to fit that team. So not all moves turn out great. But at the time going into them, I mean, I thought thought the Sixers, and I think a lot of people thought the Sixers were going to be much better last season than they were. So I'll say that. I think think, uh, Elton Brown has done a better job than he's being given credit for right now. Wow, he's going to bat for Elton Brand. I just think so. I think, Respect. I think so. Yeah. This guy's a loyal guy. You must have loved Elton Brand when he played. <laughs> he was a good fantasy player. For, he was a good fantasy player. Yeah, yeah he never he, hurt you. He got a lot of blocks too for a sort of undersized big man. That's true. It's true. Pretty good yeah, percentages. They're, take, they're yeah. taking uh, Elton Brand world mid-range shots and they're saying, hey, let, let's pull it out. Let, let's bring in Daryl Morey to, to start modernizing the game a little bit, Elton. We don't want your mid-rangers anymore. Let's shoot some threes, my man. Uh, and that's what's going to happen. It's got to happen a little bit, uh, but he's also handcuffed because the offseason is so short. So there's not going to be a lot of moves that are going to be made. Uh, there's just going to be less time to chat with uh, other general managers. So I think we're going to see some Furk and Korkmaz out there firing away. We're going to see some Mike Scott <laughs> the out there firing away. Just surround them with the shooters as much as possible. Ben Simmons is still injured, too. Let's not forget that, right? I mean, we don't even know when the season's even starting, but will he even be there at the start of the season? And then also, oh, what type of shape is Joel Embiid in? Uh, you know, after uh, I'm a sure he's been turnaround. working out hard all yeah. Yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah probably, probably it's the best shape of his Tip life. Top shape. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep it moving here. Again, lots of news to address. Um, talk about the team that Maury just left, the Rockets. In other front office news this past week, um, Steven Silas was named the Rockets' 14th head coach in franchise history. Now, Silas spent the previous two seasons as an assistant coach on Rick Carlisle's staff in Dallas, and he helped the Mavs to, uh, I guess it was technically the best offensive rating in NBA history. Uh, So he he had some impact on that. And he has just been an assistant coach for 
ever. I think 19 years officially as an assistant coach, a couple years more uh, in the scouting. So like this guy's got two plus decades and he's the son of uh, Paul Silas. So he's been around the league forever. He's got, he's put in his time here, but Tass, were you surprised by this hire um, for the Rockets going with Steven Silas? Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not in uh, an inside circles NBA person and none of us are. So this wasn't, uh, really out there uh, as far as sort of the general public goes. Obviously, the Rockets were doing their due diligence and they're interviewing uh, Jeff Van Gundy and, and their own guy, John Lucas. But this wasn't out there. And uh, Steven Silas is sort of one of the, I guess, one of those younger guys who have, uh, you know, kind of under that Nick Nurse sort of idea that, hey, maybe a guy who's been around for a long time as an assistant coach or coached elsewhere uh, has been on benches can help us out, assistant mm-hmm. or scout for 20 years. And I think he's sort of in that mold. He's only 47 years old, uh, a lot younger than the other candidates that were out there. And I think most importantly on this Rockets team, because uh, you want to talk about the Sixers being handcuffed, the Rockets are definitely in that boat where they've got two guys making a huge chunk uh, of their salary cap and Harden and Westbrook have got to build an offense around that. What's important, I think, is Steven Silas also has a bachelor's in sociology and management. I think it's just going to be about trying to convince James Harden, hey, we can do other things, my man, maybe a little off the ball. Uh, Russ, uh, let's let's work a little bit off the ball. I mean, it's it's really a lot about that locker room. And uh, I think they believe that Steven Silas, who's you know worked with Luka Doncic last year, has worked with a lot of stars uh, and, and Steph and, and others. Uh, I think he's... Um, his number one obligation really it's it's design an offense and convince those guys to be willing to try and change a little bit uh to to do some other things to get others involved and to not just be a a james harden uh one on five type deal but they're still going to be good and and steven silas uh congratulations to him the guy has earned it imagine 20 years working benches and working benches this has nothing to do with uh, his dad uh you know, being a, a lifer in the NBA and being a coach, this has to do with his work ethic. And so congrats to Steven Silas. And by all accounts, this guy is like the nicest guy in the NBA. Everything I read or hear someone talk about Steven Silas, like, guy's the nicest guy. Guy's the nicest guy. Nicest guy I ever met. That's a good thing. When everybody is saying that, that's, a, that's awesome. And it's cool to see him get this job. Were you surprised, Trey, uh, by this hire? Yeah, I'm surprised by it. Uh, but a little bit not, because when you're comparing... Steven Silas to Jeff Van Gundy and John Lucas, you know which one's going to be the cheapest. So it's not a huge surprise that a rookie head coach would be the choice for the Rockets. But I do think it is a surprise that you have a team with Harden and Westbrook, a team that has had success, not the ultimate success. They've fallen short time and time again. As we all know, it's pretty unusual to go with a first time head coach when you're theoretically trying to win a championship, when you're trying to be a title contender. Do you bring in a guy... Uh, who has never been the head coach for a team to hold James Harden accountable. It wasn't, he wasn't able to really be held accountable to do something off the ball when he had a coach of the year uh, on the sideline. So will he now want to be an off the ball mover for Steven Silas? I'm pretty doubtful. Luka Doncic didn't do a whole lot of moving for the Dallas Mavericks. This to me is a pure money hire. Uh, Yeah, the Rockets are going to still be trying to win a championship. They're still going to be a team that's uh, competing for the postseason, tanking is bad for business. About the only way you could lose more money is to go into a full tank right now. So no way Tillman Fertitta wants to do that. But Steven Silas, to me, makes more sense as a coach for the future, as a coach who is rebuilding with a young team. 
So maybe we will see the rockets go down that path in the mm-hmm. not too distant future. Yeah, I'm a little worried that no one's going to give a damn about the Rockets when we play next season. I don't know what it is because Maury being gone, D'Antoni being gone, who knows, like Trey says, is one of those big guys moved? Can you move a Westbrook? Um, you probably definitely could move a Harden. Uh, there'd be a lot of interest in him. But I just have a weird feeling like because with the Rockets, yeah, they still might be good, but no one, and I mean no one's going to be like, oh, yeah, they could win the title. No one's going to say that until they ever prove it with this, you know, that core as Harden is your main guy to go deep into the playoff run again. No one's going to care. No one will, no matter what they're doing in the in the regular season. So I have this just a strange feeling that the Rockets are just going to be there, Lee. And they're just going to be like, uh, and again, I'm very happy for Steven Silas. And I hope he proves me wrong. Like, that'd be awesome if he's like suddenly this Nick Nurse, like Tass said, like crazy innovator. And he's got Harden doing other things. That would be amazing. I'm doubtful. But I just think the Rockets are just going to be a meh. Like, there's a, t- a team that's good, but not great. And uh, that's they're just going to be there. But what do you think? Well, I wish him all the best because it is a very challenging situation for a first-time coach to go into because that's the thing. These two guys, it's, just, it's hard to change anybody's playing style this far into their career anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so to sort of convince someone when you're on your first season to say, hey, play this way or do something different or let's do this now. And they're good. I mean, that's the crazy part. Like, they yeah. win a lot of games, right? Yeah. They win yeah. 50, 60 games playing the way they do, Harden and Westbrook. I mean, yeah. they are. T- it's Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. To change them is difficult. But then then we know what happens sort of come playoff time. It's just the formula just doesn't really work. So uh, that's going to be the big challenge for how Silas can sort of change things with, without changing them, if you know what I mean. Like Westbrook and Harden are going to both want to get their, their shots and their points and things like that. So can he somehow find a way to bring out more out of the other guys that Mike D'Antoni wasn't able to do and exactly how that roster is even going to look is going to be uh, is, is something to look forward to as well. So um, it's, it's yeah, it, I, I agree with what you're saying though there, Skeets. Like I think the Rockets probably win 45 games just if, if they don't yeah. have a coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what, what will Silas really be able to do to sort of make his imprint um, that will be accepted by the other two guys? If you say someone in the chat I saw before said, you know, tell Westbrook he's coming off the bench. I mean, why not? But good luck as well. I just can't see Westbrook saying, sure, I'll be happy to do that. But that might be the sort of thing where it's like, hey, I'm the coach. I want to try this out and see if it works. Uh, you'll end the games, but I just want you to come off the bench and start again. I just don't see Westbrook going like, yeah, okay, no, no worries. Okay. I'm happy with that. So uh, he, he's in a very, very tough spot. Um, if he can somehow, you know, make the Rockets a, a very, very good team and, and, you know, perhaps convince a few people that something could be different. Um, then great, but it's just we we just sort of know the story too much of this Rockets team come playoff time that they, they just don't seem to be able to get over the line, and I'm not sure that Silas is uh, going to be able to do any better than than anyone else has done in the past. Yeah, I would be very worried if I was a Rockets fan that they have a rough start to the season, and you got a rookie coach in there, you've got an owner hemorrhaging money by all accounts, and you know suddenly would it be shocking if a Harden, maybe a Westbrook, maybe both, they're like. I don't want to be here. Get me out of here, right? You know, I'm up there in age. I want a ring. Uh, trade me. I mean, I, I could see that. I don't know. Maybe not. But uh, and maybe like you're saying, Tass, maybe the hope is Steven Silas, as I said, is such a well-liked guy that they wouldn't want to do that. And they and they will play hard for him and they'll change up things and stuff like that. Maybe he has that, uh, that ability to connect with people. So... We will see. Who knows yeah, with coaches? Oh, oh. It's always a wild card. Right. And hopefully he connects with them and says, uh, hey, don't get injured. Because, uh, you know, Westbrook <laughs> wasn't it was injured in, in the playoffs. He wasn't himself. And I think probably what he has to convince him is you got to sit sometimes. I mean, really, the, the whole thing is be fresh as possible in the playoffs for those two guys since they carry such a big load. It's not really going to change. But uh, I think the 
the mentality, uh, the, the, the whole, uh, you know, the load management thing's got to happen with both those guys. Even though Harden likes to play every single minute, I think they probably have to take some turns. I mean, you might have to rest once a week, especially in a, a bit of a truncated uh, schedule. It might be a little bit more packed. There's going to be a decent amount of backs-to-backs if they go to a certain city and have to play two games there. Like, it looks like we're going to have some baseball series out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what it comes down to. I, I, I think we, we do lose sight uh, of the fact that this team is got the longest playoff uh, run, whatever that record is, Lee. I know you like to pull it out. <laughs> uh, current playoff run, along with the Toronto Raptors, they still do a lot. Uh, it's a couple Western Conference Finals in there, but yeah, they are getting a little bit of uh, become last year's story, kind of an old story. But uh, hopefully, Stephen Silas can can try and get them fresh as possible in the postseason because you know we're we're, we're he- we got here we got here uh, 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 an Allen Iverson type Westbrook sort of in a bit of a decline you know that's just how it works with these uh, explosive guards and so the biggest thing I think is he's got to be fresh and he's got to be able to finish around the rim because he didn't look like himself in that Lakers series uh, when they lost in five games and will the Rockets continue to go pocket Rockets or will they go get a center and actually play a little sure. bit more of a normal basketball because that's the other thing Tass you're talking about a schedule if it's truncated and stuff like I just don't think you can. I don't think you can do it as it is, but especially not in a in a shortened season that's more packed in. For ask these guys that are six 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 seven to play center. I mean, uh, for an entire year, I just think they run out of gas. So maybe they'll switch it up and go with a more you know traditional, I guess, big. We'll see what they do there. I disagree. Isaiah's got a lot of Hartenstein, but I think you need another <laughs> another big guy in there. <laughs> Let, let's get to the schedule because the NBA and the NBA Players Association they're still at odds a little bit here over the start of the next season. The union is resisting thus far a, a league plan to open a shortened 72-game regular season on December 22nd, and then complete the NBA Finals before the Summer Olympics in July. Mark Stein reported that the NBA players may only be offered a 50-game season if the union insists on a mid-January start. So this is sort of getting a little dicey. I say a little because, you know, the Players Association and the league, they pushed back, you know, when they wanted to come upon an agreement. Last Friday was going to be the date. They said, okay, well, let's let's push it back a little bit. It keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So they're still talking to each other. But there definitely is some negotiation going on here, Tass, throughout the media. Like, let's be honest. It's like we get this from the league saying, we're going to lose a billion dollars if we don't start. And then you get the players coming back through other reporters saying, no, 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 we're not doing that. We want to spend Christmas with our family. All this. This is just going back and forth here. So what do you think they ultimately are going to decide on here? Or are you even worried at some point they just can't come to an agreement and then, uh uh-oh, you know, we're ripping up the CBA and starting from scratch. What's what's your best guess at where this goes? Oh, they're coming to an agreement. Okay. This this isn't a standoff uh, between Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver where it went from, hey, these two uh, are very cordial and get along very well and know that the future of the business uh, has to be basketball games. They have to play games. <laughs> but as Michelle Roberts did, uh, leading uh, the MBPA, and she said, listen, you're not going to just... Uh, push us and force us into an agreement. I wouldn't want to m- mess with Michelle Roberts. She wants she wants a good deal for her players, and that's mm-hmm. fair. But I think the best deal for her players is to get that extra five hundred million to a billion dollars. And so that money, if they do start earlier, is the most important thing for me. And that's why I think they do start a little bit earlier. They're already going to lose forty percent of income this year. That, that's the report because there's no fans in the stands. Uh, so I think you want that extra. Five to ten percent. That's what the five hundred million to a billion dollars is, and and 
The players get half that if they come to a similar CBA agreement. So really, when you look at 400 players, if it's 500 million bucks, even on the on the low end, it's really like 200,000 to a million bucks a player and 200,000 bucks to a lot of players where uh, your your lifespan is, you know, four or five years. It's a lot of money. And, and I think those players are going to push for it. Uh, even the million dollars on the on the the uh, larger scale guys, uh, that's also a decent amount of money. But uh, to me, to me, it's more about uh, the the players that they take care of at the end of benches and at the end of rosters. You want to maximize their money, and that means starting earlier, and that also means more importantly, getting in line for next season uh, to have the season start at on October seventeenth, like it usually does, or November, because. As we see right now, that's the money maker. So the further you push it back, uh, the more you bump into next year's money as well. This is going to be another one-off. It feels like felt like the bubble was going to be a one-off. Well, this is the way the world works now, so it's going to be another one-off. But you got to push it forward. It is a truncated here off-season that stinks uh, for everybody involved, but they got to come to it. I think I think they got to start early. Uh, it's in the best interest of everybody. And everybody's pocket, most importantly. Okay, so you still think uh, a pre-Christmas type of start eventually happens. Trey, what do you say? Yeah, I think the owners are going to win this one because the owners usually win these negotiations. Uh, It feels like June all over again when we're hearing a whole bunch of presentations and (laughs) proposals for what the series or what the season is going to be. You remember back in May and June, we were talking about a World Cup group stage for the NBA bubble. Things can certainly change. And things changed uh, over the course of reporting from the first time that the that the governors said that we wanted to start in December because then it was a matter of only losing five hundred million dollars, a measly five hundred million in just a week. It turned into a billion. It also used to be that we want to end we want to end the season so that you can go play in the Olympics if you want to. But now it's actually we want to end the season so that we're done before the Olympics because the Olympics will kill our ratings, which yeah. will again hurt the pocketbooks. So I think you factor in all of the money concerns, plus there's now reports that, oh yeah, don't forget, we could end the CBA again if we wanted to. Yep. You see the players lose every single negotiation they have with the owners because the owners, unfortunately, have their the control of the pocketbooks. So I imagine we're going to be starting sometime in December. It's a, it's a matter of getting that money flowing again, and that is the easiest way to do it. Lee, what do you think? 58-game season is perfect right now. So everyone plays each other once home and away. That's what they should do. That's the middle ground almost here between 50 and 72. It's not quite, but it's close enough. But, yeah, ultimately what is going to happen is the uh, owners are just going to say, okay, well, we just, we're not going to uh, let you earn as much money as you want to earn, and we're going to control how things go from here on out because yeah. they want more games on TV to make more money, and uh, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So, um you know, like, you know, LeBron saying, you know, I'm going to sit out the first month. That's fine. He takes a month off anyway. Don't do it. You know, just, uh, I mean, we want, we want, we want the basketball back, but we don't want it to be a messy situation where, you know, this could lead to some further turmoil down the road. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, the, the owners are, are sort of dangling the dollars over their head and saying, well, this is what you're going to miss out on. And if you play hardball, I think there'll be further ramifications as well. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to bully the, the players into getting out there and playing. So, um, you know, I think we're going to see something closer to a Christmas Day start uh, than than a than a January start. I think ultimately that's what will happen. But I would love to see that fifty eight game season. It would be beautiful. <laughs> so the other part of this is like, what protocols are going to be in place to keep everybody safe during a damn pandemic? Here still, because like Tess said, it's not going to be a bubble. 
There's going to be, I guess, this scheduling where you sort of go to a city and you play a couple games, but there has to be so much, as we just saw down in Orlando, so much in place to try and keep, obviously, COVID out of whatever artificial little thing you're trying to do here, which is so much more difficult when players are coming and going and there is no just, you know, sealed sort of environment like they had down there. Like, they're going to need to know all this. And the reason I bring that up is, like, we might be starting to run out of time here if they're going to play before Christmas. Like, this has to get executed pretty soon here to get a new Susan, new season, excuse me, new Susan. Uh, <laughs> I think I said Susan because I was talking to Nora about getting a new lazy Susan for one of our cupboards. Anyway, uh, but you got to get going here. You got to spin that thing and let's get going here to get this new season going quickly. A, la- a lazy Susan for a cupboard. Yeah, man. You can you put a lot more in a if, cupboard. There's like, like, there's like your a, spices. Yeah, there's like a two tier one that we're thinking of going oh, to. Yeah, we have one in there. We're going double Susan. <laughs> double Susan. Yeah. Wow, around, I've never nice. even heard of such a thing. That's crazy, yeah. bro. You're. You're living the life. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> negotiated their BRI. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah. I mean, Nora's making the ultimate decision. But, uh, you know, I'm the players in this, right? Nora's the owner. <laughs> like, if we're getting, if she says we're getting a double Susan, then we're getting a double Susan. <laughs> even if I don't want it. Even if I don't want it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I just put in one Susan, and I can't turn around that quickly into a double Susan. So yeah, Nora time. was like, we're going to lose 50% of our maple syrup if we don't go to a double Susan here. <laughs> you want that yeah. maple syrup, And Steve's. I love maple syrup. That's so right. she's really holding it over my head, man. It sucks. We ha- yeah, we haven't seen 50% of our cupboard in months. we got to get it. It's Susan season, baby. I want to see the back of that cupboard. It really is. I'll make sure to take a photo when that double Susan it's comes Susan's. in. I think it's been ordered. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm torn on this one. I ultimately said when the first report came out that it was like, Oh, yeah, we're going to lose a lot of money if we don't start uh, pre-Christmas, December 22nd. I was like, yeah, done deal. Like, I was tweeting it. Sham says it, then that's a, that's, it's happening because money talks here. But, I, yeah, I mean, the players, again, I think they can. If they don't feel comfortable, again, I, I don't want to just gloss over this. If they don't feel comfortable with what is set up for the safety of them and their families in terms of protocols with COVID from flying around and stuff like that and going from arena to arena, then that is what they can say. They'll be like, no, we're not doing it. You don't, this is not, it's not laid out. It's not mapped out. We can't just do this on the fly. We've sort of seen that happen in other sports leagues and it hasn't gone all that well uh, at times. So I don't know anymore. I guess I prefer, my preference is they do start in 2021 in, you know, Martin Luther King day is fine. Mid January, I think makes sense. Gives a little bit more time. They do get their holidays here, but Usually money ultimately wins out. So we will see. Let's hear from you guys, though. The stream teamers, let us know in the comments and everybody listening later. We got lots more still to get to. Let's take a quick break, though. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. 
All right, our next piece of news here. We called this one. Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni have been reunited in Brooklyn. The team announced that D'Antoni, along with former Spurs and Sixers assistant coach Ime Udoka, will be an assistant under Nash with the Nets. So the two join Jacques Vaughn, who coached the Nets in the NBA restart on the coaching staff, along with Amari Stoudemire, who will also serve as a player development assistant. So you got Nash, you got Amari, you got D'Antoni, you got Sean Marks in the front office. My question, Trey, for you, which old son's like associate, <laughs> player, front office person, whatever, is next to come to Brooklyn? Who would you like to see in the mix? Oh, I'm loving this. I just hope that, you know, Steve Nash has had, uh, like, production capabilities in the past, so I hope we see some sort of getting the team back together montage, you know, like Sean Marks is calling up Steve Nash, and then Steve Nash is calling up Amari Stoudemire, and Jacques Vaughn's like, wait, I know a guy. His name's Ime. And then finally, they get Mike D'Antoni on the horn. He's like, yeah, I'll come to Brooklyn. I'll run your offense. It's exciting times. Getting the... Uh, the seven seconds or less suns back together, but it feels like they've got a lot of these um, positions covered. Steve Nash, obviously the head coach. D'Antoni, you imagine, will have a major influence on the offense. And mm-hmm. Ime Adoka, a defensive guy, you got to assume, coming from the Spurs. Yep. He's going to mainly head up the defense, while Jacques Vaughn will probably assist in that uh, realm as well. So what else is left there? You know, the Brooklyn Nets, they take a ton of threes, but they were not great at shooting threes. Uh, last season, they finished fifth in attempts per game, but only 26th in percent. I think they need a shooting coach. They got to bring Sean Marion in to teach these guys how to just flick it on up there. Just a little, little pushity flickity here. You know, Sean Marion is the biggest name left from those Suns teams. Unfortunately, he doesn't necessarily have a job that fits his particular skill set. Right. We know him for his defense. And unfortunately, we do know him for his shooting form. So I'd like to see him pass it down to Joe Harris. You know, I think the Nets should bring back Joe Harris. He's a great three-point shooter. Let's ruin it. Let's get him <laughs> shooting like Sean Marion. Be fun times. No, I like that idea. You just bring in Sean Marion as your shooting coach. You, just, you show him shooting and then you go, don't do that. I do the opposite of that. Do not do that. Just don't do that and you're going to be good. Uh, yeah, you got the janky fingers that he's got. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So Sean Marion is an obvious one. Yeah, get him in the mix here. Lee, do you have anyone else? You got to bring back Bobo, Boris Dior, because, mm, nice. listen, I think uh, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you know, both of those guys, you know, we know they can be a little bit frictitious with some of their teammates. Boris Dior is the guy who's going to come in with his Nespresso machine mm-hmm. and anytime there's tension building, he's just going to say, sit down, let's have a coffee, let's talk about it, or a glass of wine. He's going to ease the tension if there is any in that locker room. And uh, it'd be just great to have Bobo back out there. So, uh, yeah, bring him back. Of course, he played with, uh, he was actually very good too with Steve Nash in those early sort of 2005, six Suns teams. He was a pretty, uh, pretty good player and uh, he's a fun guy. I'd love to see him back in the league, but he's out on his yacht. He's cruising around. He's having a great time. I don't think he wants to come back to the NBA, so it might be hard to convince him. But right. if you do, I think he'd be the nice, uh, a nice guy just to keep things level and to uh, make everyone feel good about themselves in that locker room if things get a bit crazy. Okay, Sean Marion, Boris Dia, Tass, anyone to add? No, I, I love the Boris Diaw pick because, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to be a coach. He's too busy. He's the most interesting man in the world. But they already have enough coaches, as Kyrie Irving said. They can all be coaches. Jacques Vaughn can be a coach. Kevin Durant can be a coach. Mario Stoudemire can be a coach. They have a billion coaches, but you have the most interesting man in the world as your like player 
development guy, even though he's not going to develop anything. He's just there to chat. I mean, Kyrie Irving uh, wants to be the most interesting man in the world. He's got a lot going on. He can chat it up with Boris Diaw. Steve Nash was in that role with the Warriors where he would just come in and work with specifically one guy and Kevin Durant. Uh, So, yeah, I think Boris would be perfect buddies uh, with Kyrie Irving. I think you just talk about life. There's, There's enough coaching. We don't need any of that. But Bobo, yeah, we need him back in our lives. Okay, if there's enough coaches, let's get some players for the Nets then. Joe Johnson, let's go. Yeah, former son, he played for a hot minute. And uh, Leandro Barbosa, I'm sure he's still got it. No, he's in uh, uh, Golden State, though, I think, isn't he? No, I don't think he's playing anymore there, is he? No, he's he's in the front office, yeah. Yeah, I think he went back there, yeah. Well, there you go. He's got some reps in. Get him over to to Steve Nash. That's who I want to see back. But, uh, yeah, excited. Excited for D'Antoni. And we call it amazing. He's there. What a weird, weird thing. He is now an assistant under a guy that he, you know, somewhat recently, I guess, coached. It's been longer than... I probably remember, but it's like uh, that picture amazing. of Splinter watch, walking with the Ninja Turtles, and then there's another picture. The turtles are fully grown. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. That's a good way to put it. All right, next one here. According to ESPN's Brian Windhorst, the Cleveland Cavaliers are looking to start competing in the near future. Wendy said on his podcast, "Quote: The Cavs, who have sort of been at the bottom, from what I have understand, intend to move up. They intend to hit the gas a little bit. That's the money quote there, Tass. Hit the gas a little bit." So, for what it's worth, the Cavs have the fifth pick in the upcoming draft. Um, and they got a bunch of players that, man. Uh, what do you think? Is this a bad <laughs> idea here? They just got a bunch of players. They just got a bunch of players. Bad idea for the Cavs to uh, hit the gas a little bit and try and speed up this process, accelerate. What do you think? I think it's a very good idea. Gas it up. I, I don't see what the problem is. They're the worst team in the Eastern Conference last year. They, they weren't a very good team uh, with a very high payroll. Basically, their team is going to be the same next year. Anyways, their front court's going to be Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Uh, their back court's going to be Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. How can it be worse? It, it, they don't have a good team going forward. Uh, it, it just didn't work out last year. Uh, so Brian Windhurst, it was it was one sentence from that podcast. I went and listened. Yeah. He, he said quickly, he said, yeah, the Cavs don't want to be a seller. They intend to accelerate the rebuild. Well, listen, they've sort of been in rebuild. They haven't shown that they can hit home runs with their draft picks. And so they have the number five pick right now. And the status quo would be taking someone at the number five pick and adding him to this roster. Or you trade the five pick, maybe trade another player and try and, I guess, accelerate. I mean, they they won 19 games last year. It's not a good team. I think if you're in this car, you turn the wheel a little bit go in another direction and hit the gas. Sure. I think that's a good idea. I think Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, is the only guy that I see that I want to have more minutes on that team. The lefty there is uh, a good young player, uh, but the other ones have disappointed to this point in their career. So that one sentence from Brian Winhurst, I think roll with it, mm-hmm. change it up. Kobe Altman, change it up and go in a different direction because things aren't working. Can it get worse? I, no, uh, so uh, the Kevin Love Andre Drummond experiment that we didn't really see last year uh, because uh, Love was hurt, Drummond was hurt. Uh, it's going to be interesting, um, but it wasn't good. So why the heck not change it up? All right, what do you think, Lily? Well, the idea is right. Yeah, it's uh, how you're going to execute it. Really, I mean, sure, everyone wants to accelerate and be a contender as soon as possible, but uh, that roster is just. It's a weird mix. I mean, Tass mentioned there, you've got Love and Drummond who are in win-now mode, and then you've got that backcourt of Garland and Sexton that is like, they're not anywhere near ready to win now. So 
you either have to get rid of your veterans and get some younger players in to grow with those younger guys, or you trade away those younger guys and get some vets in and potentially uh, try to vault up the standings in the Eastern Conference that way. But uh, I'm not really sure how you would do either of those successfully and be uh, accelerating in your rebuild. So, you know, the Cavs, uh, they're a team that is not a free agent destination, obviously now with LeBron not there. So they have to find a way to get players to come there who are already under contract or to draft them. And I think that's the best way to move. And when you've got Kevin Love, who who would no doubt still get some interest out there on the uh, trade market, and Andre Drummond as well, cash in those assets and, and, and see if you can get some draft picks and do a better job in the draft. I think that's the only real way to do it because it's one thing to say we want to accelerate. It's another thing to go out and do it and be successful at it immediately. So good luck. Good luck to everybody there. <laughs> good, good luck to, to all the horses. Yeah. yeah, that's right. All right. Trey, anything to add to the Cavs? I don't really want to talk too much about the Cavs. It's Didn't hard think to think so. about what they're doing. How do they accelerate the re- the rebuild? Did they start the rebuild? They still have Kevin Love. They traded for Andre Drummond last year. When were they rebuilding? They're just bad. I don't feel like they're actually building towards anything. So, yeah, maybe you do need to accelerate it a little bit. It's going to be hard to trade Kevin Love. It's been hard to trade him since you signed him. He's on the books until 2023. Drummond surely will be picking up his option for next season. But then I kind of think next summer is when the rebuild is really happening, right? Because Drummond will then be off the books. Dante Axum comes off the books. Your cap is looking a little bit cleaner to maybe at least acquire some more veterans. You're not going to be signing big names, obviously, like Lee's saying. You don't have the LeBron draw there anymore. But um, you just, to me, accelerating the rebuild from the Cavs means seeing a good season from Porter or Sexton or Garland. That, to me, is the key. Those are your three pieces you would think will be around for somewhat of the future. Right. Whatever the future for the Cavs is. Those guys need to be good. I would decelerate the rebuild or rebuild harder. I don't exactly know what it is. <laughs> Kevin Love needs to be out of there. Andre Drummond needs to be out of yeah. there. You haven't hit rock bottom yet. It feels like you've hit rock bottom because you're the worst team in the Eastern Conference back-to-back years after going to the finals for four straight seasons. It feels like you're rebuilding, but you haven't committed fully. Yeah. You know what's crazy? When you look at the Eastern Conference standings from last season, yeah, you guys are saying it. Cavs worse, 19-46. and 46. It's more embarrassing to me like that the Hawks, the Pistons, the Knicks, and the Bulls were like within three games of that worst record in the Eastern Conference. Like, my goodness, holy crap, there was a lot of garbage teams. Yeah, yeah, a lot of garbage teams. If I'm not mistaken, the Bulls lost to the Cavs a couple of times last <laughs> last year, too. So, I don't know. It sounds like maybe Cleveland needs an infusion of soul and spirit. I know they got a JB on the bench. Mm. What about Jim? <laughs> so, sorry, I freaked out there for a second. I accidentally hit the YouTube, and I started playing what I was just saying. <laughs> So I was looping there. That was uh, very, very creepy. All right. That, that's a good sign to move on from the Cavs. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. 
Uh, this, oh my goodness. All right. JD, you're gonna put, we're going to put you to work here. So NBA teams across the league have begun to roll out new uniforms for the 2021 season, or maybe it's just the 21 season. We'll find out. So we had a million leaks we're going to get to, but we know one is official official. You're looking at it now if you're joining us live on YouTube. It's the Blazers. They unveiled their Nike City Edition design, which pays homage to the team's home state of Oregon. So you see it there. These are all right, I think. You know, very unique, that's for sure. And uh, no blazers on it, no Portland. It's just straight up state. And you got the uh, <laughs> topographical sort of lines there of a map. Um, so that's that. So we'll keep that in the mix. That's official. Those are real. And then we have a million leaks. And I'm going to show them all to you. I think there's something like, I don't know, it's like 15 leaks here. No idea if any of these are real, real. But eh, for the most part, these usually come true. So leaks, the spurs. The Fiesta could be back in the mix. The Warriors going with a an Oakland vibe. We believe Oakland, I guess. The Lakers could be going with a blue. Shout out to Elgin Baylor, a sort of a white and blue. The Nets, um, yep, that's something. <laughs> we, we can get into that if we want. The Suns might be going with this crazy sort of the Valley vibe. It's got a very Tetris sort of look there. The Mavericks reportedly going with a, a gold and white silver look. The Wizards, <laughs> classic gray. Gotta love gray on a basketball jersey. What is this, baseball? Uh, so DC look there. This one, the Pelicans, looks like it uh, could uh, also be the Montreal team. The Knicks, <laughs> city never sleeps, New York Knicks. Again, these are reported leaks of these potential jerseys. The Bulls. With this very, uh, what, it's like a movie Chicago, right? Or something like that. Trail. Very Art Deco. Very yes, Art Deco. Yes, Art Deco. That's what I'm looking for. The Pistons could be going with this Motor City. And then Detroit, Michigan underneath. You always got this circle. And then you got the Grizzlies probably going with the Memphis. This is probably official going with the Memphis throwback. Because uh, we've seen them do something similar. So this would be the next iteration of that. And then the Raptors finally. Uh, with a, an OVO like Toronto across the chest. Got this sort of like line underneath it. All right. So those were all the leaks, and I could be missing some too. There's so many. There's there like two, three, like every hour it felt like. But including the Blazers, which is official, official, of all of those I just showed you, Trey, what was your favorite or least favorite? What do you think? Well, let's talk about some good ones first. Okay. I really like the Suns one. I like the Valley. It's kind of an established jersey look, right, with a with a silhouette, whether it be of mountains, whatever. I suppose, suppose that's what this is supposed to be, or buildings like we've seen with Denver yeah. and Dallas in the past. I also like the way that the black with the, the flame colors kind of plays on the old jerseys that Charles Barkley used to wear back in the day. Mm -hmm. JD mentioned in Slack that it maybe is not widely known that the Phoenix area could be called the Valley, but I still think these look great. And I also really like the Spurs ones as well. You know, yeah. people have been wanting them to wear Fiesta jerseys forever because they had the Fiesta warmups back in the David Robinson days. They're finally putting it on a jersey and it looks great. That's it awesome. looks exactly as cool as everybody assumed it would be. Okay, so those are your, your favorites. What's your... Your worst one. Oh, the next one is just brutal. The Knicks <laughs> is 100% brutal. They put the wrong phrase on it. City never sleeps. It's the city that never sleeps. And if you Google city never sleeps, a phrase that is not associated with anybody, it comes up to a movie about the city of Chicago, which was the original city that never oh, sleeps until God. Frank Sinatra came around in the 1980s and stole it. You put the wrong phrase on your jerseys. This is brutal. Also brutal. 
the Detroit Pistons who have a comma on their jersey. <laughs> you got punctuation on your jersey, Pistons. Come on. Ridiculous. Oh, God. I think so many of these are atrocious. Uh, I don't like a lot of these. I, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out the Spurs. I love that one. I'm not even the biggest fan, i got to admit, of the Suns one. But, uh, Lee, let's go to you. What, what do you like or dislike from the bunch? Well, I, I definitely like the Suns one as well. That was probably my favorite. So oh, wow. I won't go. Okay. Yeah, Maybe I, I'm wrong. I, okay. I, I just sort of like that. And again, it sort of looks like the night with the sun rising or setting, whichever way you want to look at it there. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was cool. But uh, I actually don't mind the Lakers one either, the light yeah. blue there. Okay. That's, a, that's a bit of a throwback there. Um, uh, when I first saw it, I thought, uh, I'm not so special about that. But then I looked at it, I'm like, actually, that wouldn't look too bad out on the court, I think, with the uh, the nice blue shoes as well on the players. So I, I'm a big fan of that one there. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, th- those are my two. <laughs> nice okay. All right. Tass, what, what, what do you like? Or what, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Lee, which one do you hate? Do you have one you hate? Yeah, it's tough to go past the next one there okay. because okay. It, it, lo- it, it just looks as well like the font is like it's it's covered up as well. You can't read it. Oh, all. yeah, it's, like the gradient. Yeah, yeah, like it's so garbage. It just, it just reminds me of The Office. New York, New York's the nightclub that never sleeps. Yeah, that shuts at one. <laughs> I mean, people have literally been clamoring, Knicks fans, for a black jersey for like for so long, I feels like. And then this is what they're given. Like, yeah. somehow they even ruin a black jersey, in our opinions, at least. Maybe there's some people out there that like it. Tass, you got you got a favorite one you hate? Well, we jump, let's let's keep jumping on the Knicks there for a second. But <laughs> I, I, I do want to mention the Knicks. Uh, so it says city never sleeps. Yep. T- taking out the and that, the city that never sleeps. Now, if they're good. Let's say they're good. It could be like we the North in Toronto. It's not going to happen. But let, let's just say that everyone was getting we the North wrong. There's a lot of people saying we are the North. Yeah, right. Uh, true, and, then, true, true. and then it just becomes a conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah come on. Come on. You got to be cool and say city never sleeps. Uh, it's unfortunate. This thing is unfortunate. This this jersey just it's not good. Uh, I don't I don't particularly like that one. It it almost seems like a knockoff. It seems like yeah. uh, someone just threw that together, especially that N- NYC part. Um, yeah, I'm not a big circle person. I don't mind a nice little <laughs> comma in that Detroit, Michigan one. Give me more punctuation, baby. Uh, love me some punctuation. City but- <laughs> never sleeps! Exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of words on that jersey. Um, I do like the, the Oregon, the Blazers one. Yeah, I do too. It's a lot of earth tones. A lot of earth. They love the earth in, in Oregon. Uh, I like the jagged lines down the the side as well. Um, that you know don't don't line up on the side. It looks cool. Yeah, now mm-hmm. on the court, I think it should still look cool. I imagine it in Portland's arena, uh, and I think it'll look cool under those lights. Uh, like what Lee said about the Lakers, uh, I think the Lakers one that electric blue will look good in Staples under those lights. The the what do they call it? The blackout um, situation we they could, got going on. We could see on. every arena do that too, right? Good point. With no oh, fans, yeah. they could yeah. implement something like that. That's what I, I read some report that that's a possibility to make it like atmospheric and stuff like that. Well, yeah, they have sent down um, stipulations or suggestions as to how you entertain uh, the, the entertainment rules, basically, how, how because they learn so much from the bubble uh, with no fans. So they have sent that down. And yeah, the Lakers blew a work. And I'm interested to see how the Pellies uh, work out because I, 
I'm, they they go different in New Orleans. So they've done the you I know the front and the back. It, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. mind it either. Um, I don't mind it. But I just it's, assume that anybody that puts on a Zion Williamson jersey is just gonna have yeah. jacked arms yeah. immediately. Yeah, Do they come yeah. with the jersey. I was swayed as well when I saw this guy. He looks cool. <laughs> uh, he's he's ripped. He looks good, and so it makes the jersey look good. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Though no, we are, we've is... cropped it a little bit because he's wearing like the tightest pants ever. <laughs> it looks really funny with the tight pants. Somebody pointed out too, like the blue band at the bottom is interesting because it's going to be tucked that'll, in. Yeah, that'll be tucked in. Yeah, yeah. for the for the players, but that probably means the shorts are blue. Yeah, I would you'd think. gotta think so. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I want to see that blue. I want to see, but the shorts, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, New yeah. Orleans changes it up. You know, they had that. The crazy one, I forget the name of it, that the front was different than the back where they had like the four quadrants mm-hmm. one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like purple and green. Yeah. Different spots. Yeah. That was, was a Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah, Mardi Gras vibe. for sure. Uh, so they go different with the shoulders and then the bottom and the fleur de lis. I like it. New Orleans can be different. They can be different because it's such a unique city in the okay. United States. So uh, I'm looking. I, I want to see that on the court uh, and not okay. just this Jack guy. But I think all the other uh, players <laughs> will look good as well. Um, let's bring JD in. What do you think? I know when we were sharing this in the Slack channel, JD, you were not that impressed with a no, lot of them. Uh, no, you, you were like me like going, that. everyone felt like it was getting uglier and uglier. Yeah. It's almost started to become a joke. But uh, what do you think? What's your favorite yeah. and then your least favorite? Well, I'll start with my least favorite is actually the Pels. It, wow. It looks like a smock to me. Like, uh, <laughs> welcome to Walgreens. <laughs> You know, <laughs> or is good. or yeah. like a like an a, something an official would wear in an obscure sport. You know, like a French water polo league or something. Handing <laughs> like, yeah. out penalties in the pool yeah. there, but um, yeah, my favorite actually is as well is the valley. I mean, wow. uh, as I uh, Trey mentioned that I did uh, that I didn't know that the Phoenix was known as the valley. In fact, right. the valley this screams San Fernando Valley like. Yep. Like '70s porn to me, which is great. <laughs> which was uh, which is what I I said in Slack, and I I put this picture in Slack. I want to see <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman wearing the Valley a, a way too tight Valley jersey, right. but this fell fat flat in Slack, so I, was, I hesitated to put it on the air. Workshopping things in Slack is not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> work. What What do you think, Trey? Of because uh, we've seen the Nets do a jersey for like Biggie before, right? Notorious B.I.G. And now we've got this one. Um, I can't even remember the artist uh, that this is. Jean Michel Basquiat. Thank you. Thank Thank you, thank you. What do you think of this? I mean, it's different. Uh, there's a lot going on, no doubt, but that kind of fits with the Basquiat painting. And yeah. he's a local artist. They've done this. Um, who did they have? I think they had Faze did the graffiti for their Brooklyn B-K-L-Y-N jerseys they had last year as well. But they also put in a new floor last season that kind of matched those gray jerseys they had. I wonder if they'll do something simple or something similar uh, with some crazy colors or something on their court this year. We'll see. I don't like them as much as the Kooji ones they had. Uh, But uh, Brooklyn, to me, kind of always nails it with their uniforms. They're just playing on a theme. They've got the general look of a plain jersey, and then they tinker around the edges with it. It's really weird, but uh, I'm kind of for it. Okay. All right, well, let's hear from uh, the stream teamers. Let's hear from everybody on Twitter, at NoDunksInc. Let us know uh, your favorite of the bunch, your least favorite, which one you think looks like garbage, because there is some, there's some brutal ones. I think the Warriors one is horrible, too. Like, 
first off, you're not mm. in Oakland anymore. Like you just <laughs> left, man. And then you're throwing that across the chest and it's like a play on the Weebly. I don't like that. And again, I always wonder with these leaks, do they do they throw these out into the world and then just see what the reaction is? And they're like, oh, um, Never mind. We won't release that. Or are they just like, are they committed and there's like tags on them and they've already printed, you know, millions of these. Who knows? But uh, I don't like that, Lee. I don't know. Uh, it looks like a knockoff jersey that my yeah. dad used to buy when uh, he would go on business trips to America in the late 80s and he'd come back with like this Lakers jacket. And I wanted the starter Lakers jacket. And he was right. like, oh, I couldn't get one, but I got you this one. It's just as cool. And it was like just some other guy has just put this jacket together. Probably cost him 10 bucks. But I'd wear that around because no one else yeah. had it. But yeah, it says it Los Angeles lasers on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, didn't notice that. No, that's yeah. the same thing. That's what it looks like, which is disappointing because the Warriors have had some pretty fire jerseys too yeah. over the last uh, five years or so. So looks like they're just like, yeah, yeah, not this year. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a lot of these were designed pretty damn quickly, uh, yeah. which is a little disappointing. But uh, again, you let us know uh, on Twitter or in the comments. Okay, final one here. Got a little video that accompanies it. Former president. Barack Obama showed he could still get some buckets, swishing a corner three-pointer at a Flint, Michigan gym on Saturday while he was on the campaign trail for Joe Biden, his former vice president. Let's roll this clip. It's so good. That's what I do. That's what I do. Yes, so he <laughs> splashes the corner three, says, that's what I do beneath the mask then pops the mask down just so you heard it again that's what i do on a scale of one to ten lee just lobbing a softball up to you right now here buddy scale of one to ten how cool is this video ten being the coolest uh, about four million i mean it's just got everything out there like he just gets the ball sort of just someone passes it to him he's got a little hezzy takes a dribble knocks in the three struts off the court yeah. like he's the coolest guy in the world talks his smack and then just in case you didn't hear him, he lowers the mask to talk his smack a little more. Someone's just got a coffee. Passing the coffee? Yeah, I love that part. I think that's an underrated He's part. just walking out of there like the coolest man on earth. I don't think there has ever been a five to eight second clip on the internet that's had so much drip, so much swagger than what Barack Obama did just there. Because he did, I mean, he knocks in the three too, like checks his feet. There's a little wiggle. Yep. And then he just walks off like, yeah, man, I'm the coolest man in the world. I thought that was the most amazing clip I saw uh, and I've seen for a long time. And man, he's a cool dude. He's just, and as well, you know, he's wearing like pants and a jacket there. And like, uh, be a little this, weird if he was in a full basketball. Well, exactly. But, but that's the thing. Like, he he made that. Like, he didn't sort of have any. Um, he didn't sort of thought. Oh, hang on a minute. Let me take my shirt. He didn't do the Kenny the Jet. You know, he's gonna. I gotta yeah, take my yeah. jacket off. Yeah, he yeah. just grabbed the ball, knocked in the three, walked out of there, said. F- you all motherfuckers and just left that gym like it was so cool man he's awesome i wish he was i wish he was going to be our president again tomorrow but oh my god it's a cool clip there's no doubt it is so cool anything to add uh to ask or trey about that obama three splashing it from the corner Looks like he's been working with Sean Marion on his three-pointer form there from the corner. A little flickety. I also don't know who it is, but uh, as soon as Barry nails it, somebody basically yells, Wawa Wee <laughs> Was Sasha Baron trying to get close to Obama, getting burned in Borat 3? Wawa Wee I do like how, like, legit, not surprised, but I guess impressed a lot of people are in the clip. Like, they're like, you can see a couple faces, like, 
like, damn, yeah. that was pretty damn cool, man. Oh. Like, even in the moment right there. Taz, anything to add to Barry's three? Very cool. I think uh, that his staff set it up so they left from that corner because it would have been a different shot from the opposite corner going uh, to that hand. So they're always looking out for the president, former president, doing it right. Uh, he's fresh. He is so fresh on the campaign trail. He's just joined basically the last you know, week and a half or whatever he is. So he's smart. He's a smart guy. He's 59 years old. He's banging home that shot. Uh, it's money. Uh, he was on. Uh, the shop was just released with him and LeBron James. Uh, so go check that out, the conversation that they had while LeBron and the Lakers were deciding, do we stay here in the bubble? He called up LeBron and they had that conversation. Uh, Barack coming through, man. Just absolutely coming through here in the clutch as he did on the basketball floor. The one thing I would always make fun of Barack Obama was him playing pick up basketball in pants mm-hmm. but now it all makes sense lee now you've oh, talked yeah. me into it he's putting in the reps playing in <laughs> pants so he can do something cool like this in his slacks as he leaves the gym now now uh, that he's thinking he's just playing chess man he's 10 steps ahead of everybody yeah man he's just he's just the fonts that's basically what he is he's a he's a real life version of the fonts uh and you know yesterday i tried to recreate it i thought here's a good little funny video i could put together me and Barack doing that same thing, sure. walking off. I had my kids there. I had the coffee all set up. I tried it. I knocked it in. I did it a couple of times. Then I'm like, there's no point. I it's just not, cannot, I cannot recreate anything like that, even if it was like I thought it might be funny. No, not worth it. Barack stands alone. Wow. You're telling me you actually went through all the trouble setting it all up, recorded it, and then even still watching it back, you're like, oh, this is... This I had is not it, worth it. It's I had it cool in iMovie. I had the split screens and everything. I tried to line it all up, and I looked at it. I showed it to my wife, and I said, "That's uh, I, there's no point really trying to recreate that, is there?" Like, uh, uh, sorry, honey, we just wasted yeah. all your afternoon. You know, because remember last year, uh, last year in the playoffs, you know, I recreated a couple like Lillard's big shot yeah, and Kawhi's, yeah. and you know, like whatever you think, you know, funny or not. I thought that's a little bit of something to put out there on social media. I did the split screen. I thought. Maybe I'll do my first ever reel on Instagram here, but I uh, couldn't Ooh. figure that one out. So I had to go into uh, into iMovie and put it all together. And uh, yeah, uh, it's just it's just like you know what you can't replicate anything like that. You can't just can't make it that cool. So I let yeah, it I right. let it go. Yeah. Were you wearing pants when you shot it? Well, so that was the other thing. No, I was. He didn't shorts. want to put on pants. <laughs> no, but uh, but I, I was like I was like, is that too much or should I just be out? In the, you know, out, I had the mask and everything. I'm out with the kids, but I'm like, yeah, I just can't do it. So you know, I let it slide. Uh, I thought you were going to say you went over to Tass's house, picked up his uh, vote mask that I know Tass <laughs> oh, yeah, has, yeah. so you can add that to the reel. Wow, that's crazy. Yes, uh, more drip than a piece of celery with hummus hanging off of it. <laughs> Lee Ellis' Halloween party. That yeah, clip. pretty good comment from Rodrigo on the stream team who says, I love that the Fonz is the epitome of cool for Lee. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it's between the Fonz and Styles Golinski. Oh, wow. <laughs> numbers one and two. Oh, now you're talking. Yeah, now you're talking. But Styles would have been the one in the video like really hyping him up you know like give me the big massage on the back of the show that's my boy right there that's my boy he's the ultimate hype man <laughs> all right, let's Obama go- was just like hey. 
<laughs> Let's call it there, guys. Let's so if, wrap if Obama up. is the Fonz, I guess Styles is Biden. So Biden, Styles for president? Is that? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Well, I don't know. He hasn't quite got the same energy as Styles Stavinsky. <laughs> um, they both wear sunglasses. True. <laughs> I'd love to see Biden driving a tour bus with Obama standing on the top doing backflips. Doing a handstand. Yeah, in the Wolfmobile. <laughs> hey, there's still time. The election is tomorrow. Guys, if you're American and you haven't voted yet, go vote on Tuesday, November 3rd. And like I said off the top, we're even going to hit you with a beach step in podcast to hopefully uh, kill some time while you're waiting in line. Hopefully, there's a, hopefully that line is long. That means a lot of people are voting. But we'll have a new podcast up for you on Tuesday. Get your questions in nodunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunks. All your questions and your comments. Go check out the other great podcasts on the Athletic Network. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. Shout out to the stream teamers. We will see you guys on Tuesday. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Lee calls all the flowers planted around his house Fleur de Lis. <laughs> hey. Embrace the day, people. You could stay. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.